This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. So today we're going to talk about God's method for your success in life. God's method for your success in life. And let's start off with Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. And, you know, as I'm looking at things today, I'm, I'm thinking about what we're going to look at. And I'm thinking that about Christians that we're supposed to live different than the world. How many know that? You know, the world, the world that don't, the world doesn't know God, but they know about God. Well, we, like that prayer we prayed a while ago, we don't just know Him and know about Him, but He actually lives inside of us. He's the one that's got the answers to everything we'll ever need in life. And I, th- I, th- I think it's a, uh, it's a shame that Christians run to Google for answers. You know, there's some natural knowledge you can get out of there, but when it comes to help for your marriage or help for your finances or help for raising your children, Google doesn't have the answers. God does. Amen. It's called the Bible. And, you know, the Bible spelled B-I-B-L-E. And I heard somebody say years ago that that could stand for basic instruction before leaving earth. Basic instruction before leaving earth. And so we're going to talk about some things about the Bible today and look at some things that have helped me for almost 38 years. I'll be 38 years old, January 29th. Somebody said, wow, you sure, you know, how you get gray hair <laughs> and all that kind of stuff there. Well, your life doesn't count till you get born again. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that when a person is born again, they become a new creature in Christ. The Living Bible says the old's passed away and new life has begun. And so my first 28 and a half years are erased. They're under the blood of Jesus. My sins are the sin of forgetfulness. God's through my sins as far as the east is from the west. Praise God, they're gone. They're gone. But I became born again. My life started on January 29th, 1980. And so on January 29th, of 2018, I'll be 38 years old. And so I praise God for 38 years of victory. 38 years uh, that I had lots of problems, but I had lots of answers from God what to do to handle the problems. That's one thing that's different between born-again Christians that go to church and read their Bibles and people that don't read their Bibles, don't go to church and aren't born again, that we've all got problems. I mean, you know, you don't have to... <laughs> You don't have to search around and say, well, I want to be a good Christian. I want to have problems. You know, so I have something to pray about. No problems come anyway. And when you're a good Christian, sometimes more problems come because the devil's out there. John 10, 10, Jesus says a thief. Come to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants to stop you from being a good Christian. He wants to, he wants to get you to go back the other direction so he can send you to hell. But if you refuse to backslide and go to stay saved, then he wants to try to make life miserable on you so you won't be a good Christian witness. But praise God, Second Corinthians 2.14 says God always, always, always gives us the victory in Christ. And so the key to that is to stay living for Christ. The victory is in Christ. And the thing about it, when you're a Christian and you overcome problems, let me tell you this, a deception some Christians with the religious attitude, say, well, I'll tell you, I got strong because of problems. Well, if you got strong because of problems, everybody would be a giant in the faith because everybody has problems. Everybody don't get strong. Some people go under. Some people get killed. Some people lose everything. That didn't make them stronger. They lost. 
You get stronger through problems when you read your Bible and pray your Bible and you pray in faith in line with the Bible, then you get stronger. You don't get stronger because of the problems. You get stronger because of what you do when you're having the problems. Amen. And so, uh, on your bulletin and lots of things we do around here, we say that our, our vision for this church is to equip God's people, God's families for victorious Christian living. And so I know that for myself, when I got born again back in January of 1980, I knew a lot of people that got born again at the same time. They didn't stay living for God. You know, a lot of them backslid. A lot of them did things that uh, cost them premature deaths. And things have happened the last 38 years. A lot of people I know that went to church with me back then because they didn't do what they needed to do to stay strong. And so part of my assignment from God is to show Christians what to do after you say, Jesus, come into my heart and be my Savior. What do you do then to stay saved? What do you do to grow stronger? What do you do so you don't want to walk away from it all because it looks like it's not working? I'm going to show you God's method. Amen. And I've lived this method since I got born again 38 years ago. And I can promise you upon the authority of God's word, if you believe that God's real and that the Bible is inspired by God, that God had men write down things in the Bible that God told them to put in the Bible, if you believe that, that the things that I share with you today, if you will do what God said to do in the Bible, you'll start winning more and more and more and more. You know, I know, I know that our president, when he was running, he said, you're going to get tired of winning. Well, <laughs> that might be a good political speech, but I'm never going to get tired of winning. I'm tired of losing. Amen. And so, but I do win so many things in this faith arena that, praise God, it just makes you hungry for more. You think, man, I just want to win, win, win. I'm tired of losing. I want my family blessed. I want my health blessed. I want my house blessed. I want my grandkids blessed. I want my money blessed. I want my marriage blessed. Et cetera, et cetera. But the Bible's the answer. I'm going to show you what to do so the Bible will do for you what God says it's going to do. Joshua chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 7 and verse 8. And... These verses right here, I think probably everybody knows who Moses was, right? Moses was the leader of Israel. Moses is the one that went up on the Holy Mount and brought down the Ten Commandments. And, you know, that's something from God. And so how many have seen the Ten Commandments have been challenged for years and years and years in America? Well, I'll tell you what. Let's bring in every kind of a goofball into these schools and show people what to do. Show them, show them how to have safe sex. Show them how to study different religions, but don't put something on the wall that says thou shalt not kill. Don't put something on the wall that says thou shalt not steal. Ah, uh, don't corrupt these kids by telling them thou shalt have no other gods besides the one true God. Don't tell these kids thou shalt not bear false witness. Don't tell these kids thou shalt not covet what thy neighbor has. Don't tell these kids thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. <laughs> Back when I went to school, back in the 50s and 60s, Ten Commandments was taught in schools. You know what we did not have back in the 1950s and 60s in schools? We didn't have people carrying knives into schools wanting to stab people. There was never a drug-sniffing dog or bomb-sniffing dog at our schools. We never had them in there. You know why? Because in our society we were taught, Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not steal. 
And so I'm just telling you some of these things that has changed our society. People got away from the Word of God. And the devil's the one that wants to take the Ten Commandments out of schools. He's the one that wants people to have every religion there is except the Christian religion. But God says in the Bible things we can do to live a life. So anyway, Moses was the one that got those Ten Commandments. And when Israel was in bondage to Pharaoh for all those years, Moses is the one they got to the Red Sea. And when they got to the Red Sea, they were coming out of Egypt. And at the Red Sea, they had Pharaoh's army with all of his chariots, all of his soldiers, everything chasing them, wanted to kill them, had mountains on one side, Pharaoh on another, desert on the other, no place to turn but God. They looked up to God and their leader Moses held up a rod, held up a stick. And when he did that, God caused the Red Sea to open up. And they went across on dry land and they got out of the trouble of the enemy. But I said that to say this. Moses was the guy that God did all that through that Moses died. And so then his associate Joshua came out. And you know what? That's, 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 that's the, that's the big shoes to fill to walk in what Moses just did for Joshua to come out. But the thing about it, this book we're starting to look at right now, a few verses of the chapter one of Joshua is God, the same God, that talked to Moses is now going to talk to Joshua. And now as born again Christians, that same God that talked to Moses and Joshua lives inside of my spirit, lives inside of your spirit. The same God that's now is the same God that was then. So that means his principles of faith that worked for Moses and worked for Joshua, worked for you and worked for me. If we'll listen to him, we'll do him. Amen. How many here have some Red Seas that maybe need part in your life so you can get through through a place to victory. How many have have some enemies you need to get off your back? And you know, it's spiritual enemies, it's the devil, but he does use people sometimes. Or he may use try to try to destroy you financially or whatever way it is. But the thing is, if we will do what God told Joshua to do, we can be the leader of our family to lead them to victory. Amen. You know, my pastor taught me when I was a baby Christian out this book a lot. And he always said we need to look at ourselves as a leader, like God made Joshua a leader. Because if you're a mom, if you're a dad, you're a leader. Amen. If you're a big brother, you're a big sister, you're a leader. If you've got people on your job, you may not be the boss. But if you've got other people look to you so they know you're a Christian, you're a leader. And so we can be strong as leaders and you know, one of the first things as a leader we gotta know, Jesus, Jesus made this statement. Jesus said, if the blind lead the blind, they'll both fall in the ditch. We don't have to be blind. We can walk by faith and not by sight. That be that doesn't mean we're, we're closing our eyes and just hoping something happens. That means we're walking by faith in God and what His Word says and not by what our eyes tell us going on around us. Because when Israel was coming out of Egypt, <laughs> they saw Pharaoh behind them. And all those armies wanted to kill them. They saw the mountains they couldn't climb. They saw the horrible desert they'd already been in 40 years they couldn't go back to. And all they saw from was, was the Red Sea. And so Moses said, come on guys, we're going to walk by faith and not by sight. God's bigger than Pharaoh. God's bigger than the mountains. He made them. God is better than the desert. He made it. He said, follow me and I'll lead you out of here. And so that's what we're talking about today. We can show you things today from the Bible that's worked for us all these years. 
And then you can start doing that and you can lead your family to victory. Amen. No matter where you are and how possible it looks, if you do these things, this is God's method for your success in life. Joshua 1, verse 7 and 8, God's already uh, started talking to Joshua about some few things. Then he says in verse 7, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou best observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it. And the law, by the way, is talking about the word of God at the time, how much word they had. We've got the whole Bible now. But said, which Moses my servant commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper, that thou mayest prosper wheresoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. It says you will make your way prosperous, and you'll have good success if you do what God just told you to do right here. So first thing I want to say is this, prosper these verses means to deal wisely in the affairs of life. To deal wisely in the affairs of life. And I want to look at some things to notice if you want to succeed in life, have good success, deal wisely in the affairs of life. If you're doing wisely in the affairs of life, of course that will include handled your money right, but also include how to lead your family right. It'll also include how to work on your job, how you're supposed to work on your job. It'll also include how to know where you're supposed to live, the neighborhood you're supposed to live in. It'll also include how to buy the right kind of car. It's not going to be a lemon. Everything in life, anything that has to do with this life, that's what he said right here. That you'll be able to deal wisely in the affairs of this life. And so I want you to notice some things here. Verse 7, he says this, That thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, according to all the word of God. So that observe right there, if you observe something, you're seeing it. And so what this means is this, you need to see the word with your own eyes. You need to see the word of God with your own eyes. And, you know, I know in the modern technical age that it's iPhones, iPads, all kinds of gadgets you have. You can pop up a verse or a page on. And I've got those things on my stuff too. But I love to have a real Bible. When I'm sitting in a service like this, I've got a real Bible I can open up with. Uh, you know, I, I highly suggest you get a Bible you can write in and make notes in. You know, if you've got Grandma's Bible that's real special to you, find your religious place on your coffee table or in your cabinet where you can look at it. Just a nice thing to say, but old Bibles are nice. But you need to have a Bible you can study with yourself. You need to have a Bible you can write notes on and put references in for things. And so a lot of times if I'm in a service where somebody else is teaching the Bible and I got my Bible open, they'll be teaching something, but I'll have to glance on the next page and I got red stars around a verse. Or I've got a, I got a line going to something to a note I've got there. Or my, my, my Bibles have a Hebrew and Greek things in the center column tell me what things really mean from the original. And so I see things. And so when I got a real Bible open, I will see things in there will help me understand more where I'm at right now, like what I need to do. And and I, I know that what I've seen on the uh, apps and things like that, man, pretty much all it is is just cut and dried. You just see one little part like there is all you get. And that's better than nothing. But for me to observe 
all the Word of God, I want to have a paper Bible in front of me where I can see those pages and see things. It helps me. I want to say it again. I've never got tired of winning. I got tired of losing. I want to win. And so I want to obey what the Bible says. God said His method is to observe, to see the Word of God, to be able to deal wisely with the affairs of life. And so that's the number one thing you've got to see here. He told Joshua, he said, see the word with your own eyes. And then he said to do it and to do that means to obey the verses that you see. Obey the verses that you see. And, you know, I, I think about some of the verses that I know that uh, that that Christians, have, have, you know, the Bible teaches you how to get victory, not to put chains on you, and hold you back. You know, the Bible, Jesus said. Forgive and you shall be forgiven. Forgive and you shall be forgiven. And that's something that Christians have got to know. It's so easy to get offended. One of Satan's number one methods to shut down your faith is to have you be a person that gets offended. Pastor Dave taught one about a month ago. Man, that was so good. That was so good. You know, our society, our society today is so set up for political correct. You can't say anything about anybody. Can't say anything. You're judging me. You're judging me. I'm going to expose you because you're judging me. I'm taking you to court. Okay, I heard that word you used. Had just the simplest words of life. I'm not even going to bring up anything because political correct has about destroyed our nation. Amen. What would happen back in Jesus' day if political correct ruled? The religious people tried to tell Jesus all the things he shouldn't do. And Jesus said, you're just a bunch of snakes and vipers. That offends me. That preacher called me a snake. That offends me. He called me a viper. Well, who does he think he is? You know, like that. I, oh, I, I'm not getting a political I can't go down that road. Oh, that's too dangerous. Oh, oh, boy. But I think about that. You know, in churches, preachers, are supposed to teach you how to live. You know, I was reading some verse of the Bible today, and that's not politically correct. I, sometimes, man, you just say things. you got to say them because it's Bible. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, in quoting from the Ten Commandments, Jesus said, you've, you've read that it says, you shall not commit adultery. Who are you to tell me who I can sleep with? I don't care if they're married to somebody else. I've got my rights. I've got my pleasures. I can do what I want to do. Well, Jesus said you shall not commit adultery. And then, Jesus then went beyond that. Jesus said, I've said unto you, if you look at a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. He said the first step to that, to adultery, is pornography. Somebody said, well, I like it. Well, you might like it, but God says don't do it. And so I would tell you, if God says don't do it, I don't want to do it. And then Jesus said that you should tithe. And somebody said, well, I don't like hearing that. All preachers ever want money. Well, a real preacher wants to tell you what the Bible says to help you have victory in your life. He said to see it and do it. That you'll have victory. And so there's so many things. You know, uh, you could even say in modern talk, Jesus said, thou shalt not gossip. 
Yeah, that's, that, that's to slander your neighbor. That's back to the Ten Commandments. You're not supposed to speak ill of your neighbor. And so what are you supposed to do then? He said, pray and curse not. I know that in my life, if people see that I'm getting mouthy at my mouth and criticizing, judging, and putting down on people all the time, I hope somebody starts praying for me. I hope somebody says, man, he's a Christian. He shouldn't talk that way. He's a pastor. He sure shouldn't talk that way. So instead of bad-mouthing me, pray for me. And then for you, it's the same thing. You know, I think about think about our church. I, I hear we've got such a variety of people in our church. And I know that our church has nobody perfect in our church. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. You know, people that are losing in life want to come to church. Jesus said that the well don't need a physician, the sick need a physician. So when we have people come into church, either they're not Christians or they're Christians that don't know how to live right yet, and they come into church and they do they do wrong things, they say wrong things, they're mean-spirited, they're critical, et cetera, et cetera, I call them job security. <laughs> I call them job security. As long as God sends me people that have problems, I've got a job. Man, the day they're all cleaned up, I don't want to do next because I'm calling God to help troubled people. And so I, I teach my leaders. We want to help troubled people. They come in and they're mean. Let's help them get right. They come in and they're mad at the world. They come in and they don't know what to do about life except cuss people out and just be mean all the time. Let's stop and help them. That's why they came here. They don't want to be mean. They don't want to hate everybody. They want to get changed. And so I'm telling you, as Christians, the Bible teaches us things to do that's absolutely contrary to the way the world does things. Jesus says, love, forgive, pray, don't curse them out. He says, pray for them, help them, lift them up. And so that's what I'm saying. In today's society, there's so many things even like that that would be challenged by political correct. Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. And so he says... To do, obey the verses. And then look what he says next then. He says, turn not from the Bible, the word of God. He said, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left. And reason being that you'll prosper wheresoever you go. And so that means make wise decisions. And so don't stray from living in line with the word of God. He says, turn not from it to the right hand, to the left. Don't stray from doing what you know to do. I'll tell you one of the number one steps to backsliding. If there's things you think you can do today that as a baby Christian you knew you shouldn't do, you're on the way to backsliding. If it was wrong to say it the first week you got born again when you were just tenderhearted before the Lord, you loved Him and you knew that you wanted to obey Him, and in your heart you were convicted, I can't do that anymore. Well, just because you're five years old, the Lord now doesn't mean you start doing it now then. Just because you've been saved 30 years doesn't mean you can start doing it then. And so he says, turn not from it to the right hand to the left. And so sometimes we need to stop, like Pastor Dave said at communion time, and examine ourselves to see if there's anything between us and the Lord. And so we need to know, we need to know that we need to be tenderhearted. And the Bible said it back then, at a minute, then the Bible still says it today because it doesn't change. And so... We, if we're going to deal wisely in the affairs of life and prosper, 
We don't need to know what the Bible says and do it. We need to keep on walking at the level we are so we can grow. Amen? Amen, amen. And so he says, turn not from to the right hand or left. So that means don't stray from the word of God. And then I want you to notice verse 8 again. He says this, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. And so what that means is this, let God's word be constantly in your mouth. In the Hebrew, it says, keep your mouth filled with these words from God. Keep your mouth filled with these words for God. I know that uh, years ago I was in, I was in a service that a, a man was saying some things. It's always stuck with me. How, how many here, I know that everybody doesn't know, you know, everything that some of us know. But how many know that First Peter 2.24, Jesus said, by his stripes we are healed. How many here know, raise your hand if you know that. By his stripes we were healed. By his stripes we are healed. That means that Jesus took a beating on his back for the sicknesses and diseases of mankind. Well, this man, this man told me, he said, he said, every time I've at the first sight of a sore throat, I don't say I think I'm getting a sore throat. He says, I want to thank you, Lord, that by your stripes I was healed. He said, at the first time, at the first sight of a cough, he said, the first thing I said, I got myself trained at the first sight of a cough. I feel something trying to come on me. I say, thank you, Lord. That by your stripes I was healed. You know what he's doing? Keep his mouth filled with the word. The word of God shall not depart out of your mouth. That means you're constantly full of the word of God in your mouth. Say at the first sign of a headache. If a headache tried to come, I say, I want to thank you, Lord, that by your stripes I was healed. See, that's what the Bible said right here. Quit talking the problem. Start talking the answer. I know that for me years ago, 30-some years ago, my wife and I, I was laid off. I wasn't a preacher yet. I was a truck driver. I was laid off. We was going through some really, really, really hard times. I had a car. There was a new car. And it turned out to be one of the living-year cars. Praise the Lord. They stuck in. I snuck in. I don't think that those days are over. Anyway, I was laid off. I'd had a, I had a living car. And, but it took money to drive it down to the big city where the dealer was to get it fixed, et cetera, et cetera. And all that kind of thing. So I looked out, I looked out my window to see the stupid car sitting there that I couldn't drive. And didn't have income coming in very much at all. And so every day the fear came on me when the mailman came. Anybody ever had that before? What's going to be in the mail about repossession, taking stuff, people suing you for money and stuff like that? And every day I'd head to that mailbox. And the devil challenged me about going to that mailbox or the telephone ring. You know, somebody back then didn't have all the caller ID. We had little black rotary phones that had that dial there. Like you had the phone and ring and don't want to answer the phone. But I, I believed the Bible that God had blessings for me. I'd head to that mailbox. Oh, well, that mailbox, I'd say, I want to thank you, Lord. I'm out here to harvest today. I'm going to pick harvest out of the mailbox. See, what we sow is what we reap. And when we financially, we're sowing financially the kingdom of God. God says we're going to reap financially. And so I turned it around. I kept my mouth full of the word of God. I say, Lord, I'm not afraid you haven't given me the spirit of fear. But a power and love and a sound mind. I'm going to check my mailbox. And Lord, I want to thank you for blessings today. Telephone and ring. We'd say, not devil in the name of Jesus. We don't have the spirit of fear. Power and love and a sound mind. And we'd answer the telephone expecting blessings. If it was a creditor, I found out that creditors appreciate somebody that will talk to them honest. You know, I think about my son David. Whew, boy. David was born 
in July of 1985. David got leukemia in 1988. Had David got healed two weeks after he got leukemia, but he got leukemia and healed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. David got paid off. By paid off, I mean the hospital got paid off in about probably in the, in the early 90s. We paid on that boy for lots and lots and lots of years. Leukemia was taken care of before he was legally ours. It was worth it. If we had to pay him, we paid that, we paid that hospital sometimes $10 a month or $5 a month for years. We paid them. And we had a good year. We was able to pay him more, but it took years to pay him off. You don't think about it. We learned though, if those people that you're dealing, God's talking to some people right now. If those people you're dealing with right now, just hear you communicate with them and not ignore them. And they know you're willing to work with them. As you've been through hard times, going through hard stuff, but you're communicating, they're going to work with you. But if you ignore them and hide them, then that's where you get the registered letter come in the mail that says, appear in court on this day. No better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. Amen. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You face those things as you speak the word of God. And so he says, the word should not depart your mouth. Let it constantly be in your mouth. But then he says this. He says, meditate. Meditate in the word day and night. And this is where we're going to for the message today to really help you. Meditate the word as part of your daily routine. He says, for then thou shalt make the way prosperous, that thou shalt have good success. And so the key to success is this word meditate. That's the key to success, he told Joshua, is meditate in the word day and night. And so meditate. Now listen to this, because if, if, if you're new and understand the Bible things, this is going to be something probably that you've never really thought of. But meditate from the Hebrew means to ponder by talking to yourself. To ponder. Have you ever pondered a problem? Well, you ponder the word of God. You think about it. Ponder by talking to oneself, and the Hebrew actually denotes an active recitation, a re-speaking of God's Word. An active recitation, a re-speaking of God's Word. How many here, ever when you were in school, you recited the math table? You had to recite the math table. You had to recite words for spelling classes and things like that. Or you ever heard the thing, go to a recitation? You go to a poem recitation, somebody's reading things out loud, well, he says that we're to read the Word of God out loud to ourselves and think about what it says. To ask ourselves questions about it. And you know, that, that would come down then to what we're talking about sometimes, the area of memorization. But meditation is really beyond memorization because memorization is the mind, meditation is of the heart and the mind. You meditate on the Word of God, it gets in your spirit. And then when it gets in your spirit, in John fourteen twenty six, Jesus said, that the Holy Spirit will remind you what the Word of God says. And so the more that you meditate, you read the Word of God out loud, you speak it to yourself out loud, and the more you get that Word of God into your heart, in times of crisis, the Holy Spirit will tell you. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, who said, Believe that Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And you'll start thinking what the Bible says, and the Bible's God talking. You know, so many people want to hear voices. They want to hear voices. I want to hear God talk. Anytime that you're praying and you start praying Bible verses, you know God's talking. Anytime you're in a crisis, 
you know, we call it tithers rights in Malachi chapter 3. Well, you're a Christian that gives God 10% of your income in the church offering. He said, bring the tithe to the storehouse. Talk about your church. When you're a Christian that does that, God said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. God said, I'll open the windows of heaven. I'll pour out my blessings upon you, not room enough to receive it. I think about Pastor Dave. I was talking to Mrs. Pastor the other day. By the way, uh, praise God, my help is coming home tomorrow night from Alaska. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I was almost late today. I dressed myself. <laughs> oh. Oh, no, she, she taught me how a long time ago. I stayed pretty, pretty good at it most of the time. But she'll be back. But we were, talk, we, were talk, we were talking the other day, think about him. That when he had leukemia, I was beside his bed in the hospital at Riley Children's Hospital in Naples, Indiana. And I had my Bible open to Malachi chapter 3. I said, you said, Lord, that if I'm a faithful tither, you get the devour for me. I looked over his little body laying there, three and a half years old. And we were right outside the nurse's station because leukemia was you know, a pretty, pretty, pretty not good thing. And I had, this is back in 1988, 89 when we was in there. And they had all these monitors around the wall up there. It was in a glass room right outside the nurse's station. They had all kinds of tubes and lines and everything back then. Man plugged in him. It was just beep, 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 beep. And uh, I slept with him in the room. I stayed with him in the room. I laid hands on everything they did with him. I mean, I was a serious, 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 seriously on top of it because I wasn't going to let the devil kill my son. But I was on my knees there beside his bed with my Bible open. And I said, Lord... You said you broke the devour for my sake. I said, that's my son right there. The devil's trying to devour his life right now. And Jesus, I want to thank you that you rebuked the devour for my sake. For my son. And two weeks from diagnosis of that, he was crippled too. Two weeks from diagnosis, he was jumped off the bed, dancing in the hallway. And the doctors, the doctors in their microscopes told us, they saw a medical impossibility, so their equipment had to be broke. Said something wrong with our equipment. We're getting some new equipment in this hospital. Because he had no cancer, but that, that, that was a miracle. But the big miracle was, because at the time I was teaching at a healing school for a spirit-filled doctor at a church. We taught together. Well, this cancer doctor I was with told me they had a little weekend thing for the doctors to all get together. He said, the doctors are so messed up about your son. He said, not only did he not have cancer there, but he had mature blood cells. And said, chemotherapy kills all the blood cells, just enough to keep the patient alive, because they figure if they kill every blood cell they kill without killing the patient, then they'll get the cancer. And then it takes six months to get mature blood cells. And so what they were seeing, they shouldn't have seen, because, man, they was do, do, dosing him heavy with that chemotherapy. It wasn't supposed to be mature blood cells. It was supposed to be dead. But they saw mature blood cells said, Etc. Etc. Say, well, I'm just saying. To me, that's a God rebuking the devourer. That's a God opening up the windows of heaven, pouring out His blessing. Amen. And so that's what I'm telling you. You've got to get that word in your mouth like that. That at your time of crisis, you've got to be able to have that word in your mouth, in your mouth, in your mouth. Amen. Somebody praise the Lord. Amen. And so uh, you meditate the word. By speaking it out loud. Now I want you to look at Psalms chapter 1. Verses 1 through 3. I'm going to look at this really quickly. Because I want to show you how to do some things. But Psalms 1. Uh, by the way, this is, this is my son David's namesake. 
We named him after David in the Bible. And uh, you know, something else I want to tell you about, so I won't slip. Uh, how many have these Never Again cards we hand out all the time? You got these Never Again cards. Uh, we should have a bunch of them back there on the new information booth. By the way, thank you, Michael. Everybody give Michael a hand. He's a he's our he's our finished man carpenter that does those things there. But Michael did the information booth, the sound booth, and the big thing up there on the stage. And this <laughs> Michael is he re, he's really a good carpenter. He did that. But anyway, back there on the information booth, we got these cards out here. They're probably white back there, but they're called Never Again cards. They have lots of Bible verses. That you can confess over your life first person. This will make more sense to you in just a minute. But they're on the set, the information booth back there. But King David said this. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And so I want to say this about, about uh, walking not in the counsel of the ungodly. That ungodly doesn't just mean hanging out with sinners and things like that because sinners we know are ungodly. You know, they may not they may not be bad sinners, but they don't live like God wants them to live. But walk not in the counsel. What does counsel mean? That means you're going to somebody for advice about problems in life. You know, some people go to professional therapists and counselors, psychiatrists, psychologists and things like that. Or some people go to their best friend to tell them, what do you think I ought to do? My marriage is hurting. What do you think I ought to do? I'm having all kinds of problems with my teenagers. What should I do? Well, an ungodly person can be a preacher or a religious person. Because ungodly simply means somebody that's not talking or living in line with the Word of God. If you're living godly, that means you're living how the Bible tells you to live. And so if you're going through a financial problem and you go to a religious preacher, he's going to say, you shouldn't be giving so much. How are you ever going to get out of debt if you keep giving it away? Well, God says you won't get out of debt unless you give it away. That's godly counsel. And, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, the, in political uh, correctness and all those kind of things, they say you shouldn't whip your kids. Well, the Bible tells you sometimes you've got to spank their bottoms. You've got to do some things. To, sometimes you've got to tell them no. There's some things you need to do if your children that are, that are totally, totally, totally in line with the Word of God. That somebody, your best friend that's a good church member may tell you something different. And so I say this, if somebody gives you counsel that you know is absolutely contrary to what God says in his Bible, throw it in your spiritual trash can. Have a place that you, you throw, you throw things that you know is not right, throw them in the trash can and then don't pick it back out. And so he says right here, that you're blessed if you don't walk with the counsel of the ungodly, nor hang out with sinners, nor sit the seat of the scornful. The scornful just, it's just people all the time that murmur, complain, and whine about everything, but they never do nothing to change anything. They complain about politics. They complain about the job. They complain about the church. They complain about your family. And I learned a long time ago, years and years and years ago, <laughs> My parents, I led with the Lord right before they got saved. Long story short, there's seven kids in my family. And we'd go down and visit my parents because it was a good thing to do. What the kids know their grandparents go down there. But every time we was down there, they was always talking about whichever family member wasn't here. Had six boys in the family. So if we were there and they wasn't there, talking about their wives, talking about the daughter-in-laws, what dogs the daughter was, how mean they were, stuff like that. So finally one time we was down there and 
I honored my dad and mom. That's Ten Commandments, and I wanted to. I honored them, but one time when we was down there, I just told them, I said, I want to tell you something, Dad and Mom. We love you. We want to come down and visit you. But I know that if we're not here, you're talking about Janice. Because you talk about all the other daughter-in-laws where they're not here. And I said, we want to come and visit you. We're not going to be visiting you much anymore because we don't want to hear about all those things you tell about my, my sister-in-laws, about my brothers. Just We don't want to hear it anymore. You know what? Just that one little word to my dad and mom back that stuff off or we had good visits for a lot of years so they realized they'd rather see us than the gossip. And I'm not talking bad about my dad and mom. I'm so glad they're in heaven. But that just wore us down, wore the kids down to hear that bad mouth all the time. And you need to understand the Bible says right here that if you want to prosper, if you want to be blessed, don't hang out with people that are negative all the time. Amen. There's people we love want to be around them. But man, I'll tell you what, it's going to hurt your life sooner or later if you don't speak up. Amen, because the Bible says so. But anyway, then he says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he, there's that word again, meditate day and night. Meditate day and night. Well, King David got a hold of that. Joshua got a hold of that. Why don't we get a hold of it? says, we got delight in meditating the word day and night. And in my center column here, it says, again, ponder by talking to oneself, reciting the word of God. And so, and so we got to know that God's method for your success is to meditate in his word day and night. And then verse 3, he gives you a natural illustration to understand what this is like. You know, Jesus spoke a lot of parables. Well, the Bible teaches a lot of word pictures of natural things to understand spiritual things. It says, he shall be like a tree. Planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit, his season, his leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And so a Christian fruit means getting results of what the Bible says we should get. The Bible says a part of the fruit of the spirit, Galatians 522. I quote a lot of verses, but I hope I don't want to go too fast. I hope you mark these verses down if you don't know them. But Galatians 522 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. What other way to say fruit is character of a Christian? The first fruit, the Bible says, characteristics of a Christian is they love people. They have joy in their life. They have peace in their life. Long-suffering, they put up with things without quitting, without getting beat on people. That's the character. And he says right here, if we meditate in God's word day and night, we'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth his fruit. I was riding down through Victorville the other day with uh, Pastor Dave taking the kids to school down there. And down there, the part where the Mojave crosses, the, what's that called down there, the D Street down there. All of a sudden, you see all these great big giant, uh, not like any trees I ever saw before back east, but like trees out here. All these great big giant green trees down there growing everywhere. You got sand and dirt everywhere, but all of a sudden, where you got the underground river, you got trees that are green and lush, even in the hottest part of the summer, they're growing down there. Because those trees are planted by the rivers of water. They've got roots going down, they're bringing up water, and they're growing and turning green. And so what this says, when you meditate the Word of God, your spirit has roots that are going down into the goodness of God. Your roots are going down and growing deep. And so even those times 
but you feel dry, but you feel like nothing's working. You know, there may be times sometimes that you're on forced overtime where you have to work every Sunday for two months. There may be times where, where you, you can't come to church at all because you're on forced things where you're on overtime and that. And then maybe you've got some sick loved one in some hospital somewhere. And the only day you got off and go see them is church day. And you think, wow, I got a choice. They might die. I may never see them again. Or I can go to church and I'm going to go visit them. That's not, it's not, it's not a wrong choice. It's just a choice you better have some roots. Because those times that you're dry, you're not getting out of this corporate anointing. You need to have roots going down into God. And he says, if you meditate on the word day and night, you'll be like that tree. It'll be dry all around you. And you know, in the church, sometimes it's almost like a spirit, like a spiritual rain in here. You're in here, the spirit of God's in here. And you just feel the anointing of God all over the place. The word of God is feeding you, helping your mind think right. But also there's something else taking place. Uh, it's called washing of the water of the word, cleansing taking place of things in your life. You're getting cleansed, you're getting washed. But you know, if you're out there in the desert for a while, man, you're stinking. You don't smell good. Because it's hot and it's dry out there. And you know, if you don't take a bath for a while, man, you're just going on the outside, you're going to feel clammy. You're going to feel dirty. You're going to feel yucky. You're going to feel like, man, this is not, oh, I just don't feel good. Well, that's not real you. That's just stuff got on you. What it'll wash it off yet. That's the same thing with us when we get out of church for a while. We kind of get contaminated with the world. Think, man, I need a spiritual bath. But if you're a person that's trained yourself to meditate in the Word of God, you can go for a while and still bear good fruit. That's what he said. He said, you meditate in the Word day and night. He said, you're like that tree planted by the rivers of water. Your roots are going down. And then in times of drought, you're sucking up what you've got because you've got your roots down there deep. Amen? And so we're talking about meditating in the Word of God, which is pondered by talking to yourself. And this is God's method for your success is to meditate in the Word every day. And you know something that I, I say quite often, it's not quantity, but it's quality. It's quality. You need to get some kind of verses, even if it's one verse that you work on, think about it all day long. In the morning time you start off with it, and you know whether it's something about how to treat people right, something about how to be a good employer on the job, something about how to control your mouth so you're not potty mouth all day long and talking stupid stuff might be something about healing health. Whatever whatever it is, it might be about being a good church member. There's lots of Bible verses that cover lots of things. And the thing is, you need to be speaking those out loud. I suggest you write them on a three-by-five card. Keep them in your pocket. Keep them in your purse. Keep them in your billfold. Get little books like this and carry it with you. When I was a truck driver, I used to do that. I remember uh, one of the last trucking jobs I had, I had to work on the dock about 10 or 12 hours a day, just all day long in a truck dock. Had probably uh, 50 guys at a time work on this truck dock, unloading trucks all day long. Man, all you heard was trash talk and dumb stuff you didn't want to hear. Bad-mouthing the bosses, the company, how horrible it was. It's to me, it's like people bad-mouthing the country. It's that a horrible move. If the, if, the, if the job's that bad, quit. You know, if it's that bad, quit. Doing it. Anyway, the point I'm getting down to is this. I always carried some kind of little book like this in my shirt pocket. And, and so when we'd have a break time, when the other guys go sit at the tables to continue the conversation about how rotten life was, I'd make a beeline to the men's restroom. I would go into the little stall. And I would sit down, pull the book out, had a 10-minute break. Oh, man, good, praise God, 10 minutes, get away from that mess. And I would sit there 
with my book open. And sometimes I carried a sandwich in my pocket even. I sit there. Well, what was I doing? It was really hard. It was really hard to hear myself thinking that mess of that break room with all those guys around. So I'd go back there just to get away from all that stupid stuff. And what did I do? I did what God told Joshua. And what David said in Psalms 1, I started meditating the Word of God. I'd go back there and I would start saying out loud about myself things the Bible said. And that would help me get at least a 10-minute break to where I could do something to get myself charged up again. And my roots was going down, sucking that nourishment from God up. I was getting myself all built up again. So I'd go back on the truck dock and work another two or three hours for another break and be able to be refreshed and blessed so I could keep my spiritual sanity and be able to go on. Amen? Amen. Somebody, somebody shout or something. Let me know you get something out of this. And so I want you to look at Psalms 91. Psalms 91. I just want to simply show you how to actually practice and meditate in the Word of God. Things I learned a long, long, long time ago. And so this is a good place to train yourself, but any, any part of the Bible that you want to learn, this is how to meditate in the Word of God. Psalms 91 says this, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And so you start off by reading a verse like that. And what you need to do is to make that first person in your life to, to train yourself Begin to speak these things in first person. And so I say, Lord, I choose. And what, this time I meditate. Lord, I choose to live in the secret place of the Most High. And abide under your shadow of love. And then look at verse 2. This is a choice that the psalmist made that you can make as you say this. I will say of the Lord. And so I read that. Say, Lord, here's what I'm going to say of you. That you are my refuge and my fortress, my God, in you will I trust. That's meditating on the Word of God. That's breaking it off the pages into your heart, into your life. And he says that when you do that, you're going to deal wisely in the affairs of this life. I will say of the Lord, you are my refuge, my fortress, my God, and you will I trust. I will say of the Lord, surely you shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. That's talking about the diseases, the traps, the snares Satan has laid before you. I will say of the Lord, surely you shall deliver me from these things. I will say of the Lord, you shall cover me with your feathers, and under your wings shall I trust. I will say of the Lord, your truth is my shield and buckler. And John seventeen seventeen, Jesus said, the word of God is the truth. And so what I see that like is this. Remember in Ephesians chapter 6. When he said that we're supposed to hold up the shield of faith, quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. He says, thy word is truth. Your word is my shield and buckler. And when the devil throws fiery darts against our mind, Ephesians chapter 6 says, fiery darts come to our head. When those things come, I hold up the shield of the word of God. Thy truth is my shield and buckler. I say, Lord, you're the one that's protecting me. You're the one that's taking care of me. You're the one supplying for my family. You're the one that's getting good things in my life. See, this is what we call meditating the Word of God. Go through these verses one by one. I just want to make a quick beeline through here and to end up where I want to end up at the end of it. But then it says, verse 5, I shall not be afraid because 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, God hasn't given me the spirit of fear, 
but a power to love and a sound mind. I shall not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. I shall not be afraid. And this is what we're saying. So you make this first person. You're saying this to the Lord. You said, I'll not be afraid for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. Here's one of my favorite ones right here. A thousand shall fall at my side, and ten thousand at my right hand, but shall not come nigh me. Only with mine eyes shall I behold and see. Now look at this. The reward of the wicked. When I know these bad things are coming across the land, when we get all the evil reports of everything going on in America, how bad it is, and when you're watching the TV, and they say it's the flu season. And they say, all these things are going to happen to the majority of the people. I say, Lord, I want to thank you that you're protecting me. These things may happen. A thousand may fall over here, 10,000 over here. It'll not come nigh my family. Lord, you said that's the reward of the wicked, and I'm not the wicked. Hebrews 11, 6, you said you're a rewarder of them. That deals you sick, you Lord. I want to thank you that you're my rewarder. I'm not the wicked. You've got to get these things in your heart, in your mouth, where you recognize that God has some things he said about you and you need to say them about you. Amen. Can you see that, that you're not the wicked? Amen. All these different things they can project. And I know that when Pastor Dave got that leukemia, I was well trained in the Word of God. I can't remember what the percentages was. They gave them 80, 20 or something. 80% of them died, 20% didn't. You know my first words out of my mouth with? Glory to God, he's one of the 20. Amen. If they give you something, if you're going through something in life, and they tell you, you know what? 99% of the time, here's what happens. You know what that means? 1% of the time, it doesn't. And so I'm not going to identify with the 99. I'm going to identify with the 1. Amen. Because the Word of God tells me that there's rewards for the righteous. I live in the secret place of the Most High. That's where I'm going to camp out at. And so anyway, you've got to say those things. You've got to say those things. And you know, uh, as we look at this, I do want to throw in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 and 6, real quickly. Uh, I meant to mention that a second ago. But I want to show you what it is to live the secret place of the Most High and just get a hold of this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. Jesus said this, And when you pray, don't be as the hypocrites. My center column says as pretenders. It says, For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Religious people like to be seen by other people Praying, speaking, doing whatever they do, just to show how religious they are. Now, if you're a person that quotes the Bible stuff, because that's what you do, you're not a religious person. You're speaking the Word of God out loud. But it says that these people that want to just be praying, some people talk about how spiritual they are, said they got the reward. What was the reward? Ben seen them. That was the reward. But he says this, but you, when you pray, enter to thy closet, and when you shut your door, Pray to your Father which is in secret, and your Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And so he says that when you're a person of prayer, when you're a person that separates unto God, because that's what you want to do, he said you will have open reward. Men will see the results in your life of what you pray. 
That's the reward I want. I want prayer to be seen in my life as manifested. Manifested answers. Anyway, I want to throw that back in there. And so, I'm going to have to be wrapping this up, but I just want to point out something. Lots of good things he says in there. The first 13 verses is you, the believer, talking about who God is, what he's doing, and what he's going to be doing for you personally. But then verse 14 through 16 is where I'm going to close that because you need to see this. Verse 14 through 16, because you've said out loud what the Lord is and what he's doing for you, then God says, and this is verse 14 to 16, this is God talking to you and talking about you. I made this first person in my life. There's seven things that God says he will do for the believer that has set their love upon him. He said, because in my Bible, I like to write first person because Bernie... That's me, I'm Pastor Bernie Samples, in case you don't know that. Because Bernie has set his love upon me. Now look at these seven things. Therefore, will I deliver Bernie? That means God is going to protect me in whatever is going on in my life. He said, I'll deliver Bernie. Why? Because he set his love upon me. How did he set his love upon me? He's speaking my word out loud and tell me who I am to him. What my word says about him. He says, because Bernie has set his love upon me, I will set him on high. That means God's going to promote me in life. That's going to give me promotions in my jobs. Promotions in life. He says he's going to give me favor because he set his love upon me and he's known my name. Bernie shall call upon me and I will answer him. Because Bernie set his love upon me, he says I'm going to answer his prayers. Can you see these things God said does? We talk about him. Then he talks about us. says, I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him. Whatever is going on in my life, I say that a thousand may fall at my left hand, ten thousand at my right hand, and a lot come nigh me because God is my deliverer. I say that God has angels with me everywhere I go. They lift me up, lest I dash my foot against a stone. And then God said, I will be with him in trouble, deliver him, and honor him, and honor him. God is going to bring honor to my life to where he opens up doors that I can't open. God's going to cause people to become a part of my life that I can never be friends with, but God will do that. God will bring honor to me. And see, this is for you. You meditate in the Word of God. Speak things out loud for the Word of God about yourself, and God says, that's set your love upon me, because you're loving my Word. And then he says... With long life will I satisfy Bernie. With long life will I satisfy Bernie. And you look over at Psalms 90 right before this. He says long life's a minimum of 70 or 80 years. And then when you got the Amplified Bible says that was the children of Israel in the wilderness saying that. So if they could get that under judgment in the wilderness, how much more should we get a satisfied long life? With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. As showing my salvation. And that word salvation there means deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, soundness, and health. And so I just want to leave that with you. If you want to have a successful life, if you want to have wisdom in life, if you want to win in life, make it your habit as a Christian to train yourself to meditate in the Word of God. These daily devotions we give on the on the internet, we had that paper out today that was out there for your December devotions. Go through those things, read those things out loud, 
And of course, this month's going to be about Jesus and, and, and Christmas and things. But read those things out loud when you see them. And then say things like this. This is God talking about me. And I'm telling him I believe him. I receive healing. It's for me. I receive forgiveness. It's for me. I receive my needs met. It's for me. I receive my children serving God. That belongs to me. I receive long life. That belongs to me. I receive promotions of favor on my job. That belongs to me. I receive blessing. That belongs to me. Go through those that God says, I'm going to do these things for you because you set your love upon me. Amen. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.